0: Uh, to talk about that. Um, so it's so good to see everybody here this morning. I know we're still in the middle of, uh, especially with it being the week of the fourth in the middle of vacation season. My wife and boys, Stasha, I think she's back here with the uh, older kids today and uh, teaching back there. But we were able to get away for a couple of days and uh, you guys have heard me talk about Steve who is my not real adopted, but kind of my adopted dad when I was 12 years old. Kind of took me in his wing, helped me with my first car, and he still fulfills that relationship today. Um, you know, I called him when both my boys were born, and so we were just about an hour away at a campground together. It was a really good time. You know, some, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just need to be with your dad for a little bit. And it was, it was just good. So um, we had a had a great time together. Um, so if you've been away welcome back (laughs) it's good to good to see everybody i know we still have some folks who are traveling and enjoying the beaches and everything you know we are just a month away from jamaica yaman so this year because of the start of school uh, here in iredale county we're taking a little bit less of a group but there's going to be four of us that are heading down Uh, myself and gabe who's in the back christine and melody and i told melody this will be her first time going to jamaica to the Foursquare camp there I said, just go step outside. This is pretty much a Jamaican morning, high humidity, not really hot yet, but, um, you know, it's uh, kind of pretty much a Jamaican morning, right, guys? And so um, uh, as we get ready to I want to keep that thought in mind here just for a moment with Jamaica and getting ready to head down there Um, with this series that we it's not really a series. I'm doing a couple of standalone sermons uh, till we get to our next series. But this year, the theme of Foursquare is Jesus Christ, who is our healer and restoration and wholeness. And we've kind of adopted this whole thing of moving from a place of brokenness, as Mr. Stowe said, into a place of wholeness. And so we're focusing on being whole people. And we've all pretty much agreed to the fact that we're going to finish up 2019 in this whole idea and series of wholeness. We're not going to be 100% whole at the end of this year. As a matter of fact, Philippians 1.6 tells us this, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you or began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ returns um, or, or until we go home, right? And so we know that this process will be a lifelong continuation of maturing and developing in in our lives, uh, in our relationship with Jesus, and the call that he has given to us. I look around the room, and I don't see, and you know, I could get out my phone and do the whole selfie mode. There's not a single one of us that are perfect in here. Now, some are pretty close, right? See, no amens on that. Um, we're all in this process of becoming whole people. And what we're taking the latter half of the year to do is talk about how the presence of God is really the only way we're going to begin to see strides in that We must have his presence. We must enjoy the presence of God. We must experience the presence of God. And so the previous two weeks, this being the third week, what I have done, we are four square. And, And I'll say this every Sunday that we talk about four square. We preach Jesus more than we preach we are four square right because we believe in Jesus Christ I love our denomination but we preach Jesus however with the recent convention what I'm doing is wanting to bring the heart of what God is speaking to us because we have a mission we have a mission around this world that we are to be focused in on we just heard um, by the way a couple weeks ago it was confirmed that Dean is going to be headed back to Niger in September Um, and so we have this global thing that that we're after that because it's, 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 the, it's the plan of God, isn't it, Dean? Yeah. It's the plan of God, and you guys get to be a part of that. But we're seeking not only to become whole people, but also to bring wholeness to other people. Whether it be here in Abundant Life, here in Mooresville, and the surrounding area, North Carolina, the United States, or whether it be outside of the borders of the United States. We want to do what we can do to become whole people and bring wholeness to other people. Amen so we're going to have some more opportunities next year. Um, Again, I I want to, especially with the message I'm I'm talking about today, I want you to be ready for this. We're looking at adding possibly or replacing possibly a couple of our missions trips just for next year. Uh, with Ireland. That's that's looking like it might be June to see Tim and Christine O'Toole. Uh, There are some people that we graduated with and there is a real need for the church to be present there in Ireland. The other one that we are taking a look at um, is going to be definitely a working, um, if you enjoy hard physical labor, chopping wood, manly stuff, you have to grow your beard out type thing, we're looking at going to Alaska at some point next year. So Mary, feel free to work on that now. you want to go do i know you love hard work because you work with your dad all the time but um you know this is absolutely it's open to to ladies and but but just those are a couple things that i want you to be ready for so keep that tucked as we talk about today i want to go back to i believe it was two years ago dean that we went to the blue hole in jamaica two or three years ago um that we were down there and nathan was with me on this trip i don't think stasha and gabriel with me but I found myself, okay, we have six and a half days that we're at the camp. On the seventh day, we rest. On the eighth day, we go to Jamaican churches and then the, the, whatever day it is, we fly home. But here we were on the seventh day and it's our day where we get to do some shopping to bring back souvenirs and we get to go to a fun place, whether it be a beach or this particular day, we went to the Blue Hole. And I'm gonna stand up here as an illustration. But I'm, we had just gone through a series of waterfalls, extremely cold water, by the way, extremely cold water especially when it's as hot as humid hot and humid as it is and i found myself after coming down some of these jumps and and waterfalls standing at the top of a 30-foot cliff the last one dean 30-foot cliff my youngest son i believe well my oldest son at the time was probably 14 had already taken the plunge and i'm thinking are you going to chicken out and your son have one up on you for the rest of your life, or are you gonna take the plunge? And I thought serious about it. And I was like, I really don't have to do this, and I can still withhold some of my dignity. (laughs) And I took the plunge. I took a risk. Because you guys know, you've heard me tell the story, I do not, I'm not a fan of heights. Being up here isn't too bad, because if I fall, I won't break too many bones necessarily. I do not like heights, but I took a risk and I jumped and here's what I did so you know when you're jumping from 30 feet up in the air you ready Mel? No I don't think we'll go to the blue hole this year but anyway when you're th- <laughs> you're thinking alright how am I going to enter the water because I don't want to belly flop you know I, I want to stay as straight as I And please believe me there's enough there to belly flop so but I'm thinking I don't want to land on my back or my head or turn upside down and I don't want the water to rush up my nose so I hold my nose just like this you know and getting ready to go and I jump and I land, and it feels like I'm sinking to the bottom, but then there's this whole flotation device that I have built in my whole body. I began to rise quickly to the surface, and it was like, yes, I did it! So I come out of the water, and I began to realize my nose hurts really bad. What in the world? Well, pressure of the water hit my <laughs> nose, you know? It hit my elbow and caused my hand to be driven up into my nose. But you know what I found? The risk was worth it. I was shaking in my bare feet, (laughs) standing at the top of that cliff. But there was, all the time, there was something there saying, take a risk, just like stepping back over here. Take a risk, it will be worth it, you will enjoy it. Another part of that trip was just before that. There's a waterfall that's rushing down over the rocks, and we look, and I'm not kidding, there was a hole So if I'm standing on the rock, flat surface, behind me, there's a rock, a cliff that goes up, probably 20 feet or something like that, behind me. So there is a hole that's no bigger than from my knees down. It's like that big. And we had to back into that hole on our bellies, feet first, not knowing where we were going inside of this cliff. You were there too, right, Rachel? You were there for that one? Who else was there? Just Nathan, Rachel, and Dean? And so we had no idea. And so, again, here I am, the fearless leader. I'm going to make sure everybody else gets in the hole okay so that, you know, everybody's safe and whatnot. Really, I was wanting to see where they were coming out. But I took this risk because, again, I couldn't have my son and Rachel and the others outdoing me. So you go in and really you're, you're scraping going in the whole way. And, and I was a little bit bigger then, too. But um, made my way in. You get down, and all of a sudden, you feel the tour guide. You're not sure, but he grabs your legs, and I'm thinking, this is it. I'm coming home, Jesus, but he (laughs) grabs your legs, and he helps you down, and you touch the bottom, and then you turn, and you see the waterfall coming right over you, and it was the most beautiful thing, but you know what? We had to be willing to risk to be able to do it. One of the messages that we heard that I want to bring to you today is that God is calling his church. God is calling you to risk. Maybe he's calling you to risk again. Maybe your first risk experience didn't turn out the way you had hoped it would, and you were hurt, you were disappointed, but God is calling you back to risk for his kingdom again. I'm going to tell you, it was all worth it again. I don't know if I'll jump another 30 feet into the water. Maybe I will, because it wasn't really too bad, was it, Dean? It It was fun. So... I say that because I think we're going to a wedding this year, and not going to have to do that so I can talk big now. What I want to look at today is patterns and rhythms of an individual of people who have given their lives for the cause of Christ. What are some patterns that they have developed? What are some rhythms in their life that they have maybe put in place that they can continually take a, a risk for Jesus? They take a risk, it pays off. They take a risk, it didn't pay off. They continue to risk. What are these things? I don't want to look at these today. You can turn, if you want, to Luke chapter 5. We're going to tell a very familiar story today. If you've been in church any time at all, you've heard this, I should say. Uh, But but a familiar story to those who have uh, been in church for a while. If you haven't, maybe this is your first time hearing this particular story. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to be able to risk uh, today. And we're going to, first of all, see that risk is a pattern of life for those who have given their lives for the cause of Christ while you're turning to Luke chapter 5, um, since we've been you know, picking on Dean here for a moment, you know, when he said that he really sensed that God was called, he and Rachel both actually were calling them to Niger two years ago, I remember thinking, that's bold. They like to kill Christians over there. Why would you? And then I sensed the Holy Spirit within me say, you know what? They're risking it all for the kingdom of God. And it's not just them. You may never be called to go out of the United States. So I'm setting a pretty big thing because most of us are like, Lord, please just never call me to wherever. Wherever it is that God has called you, though, what is the risk that he is asking you to take? Luke chapter 5, verse 1 I want us to pick up here. We'll read through verse 3, and then we'll pick up a little bit later. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him and listened to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it into the water. So he sat there in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So this has the name Simon. It was Simon's boat. We know Later, Simon became Peter. Uh, So this is a story maybe maybe that you've heard before. But it comes at the end of the day after a long day of fishing. Now, for them, fishing wasn't necessarily, here comes Mr. Jamie, who was just our usher. This guy loves to fish, right? I mean, he's got the appropriate shirt on today, probably going to go drown a worm this afternoon or something. Uh, Jake loves to fish as well. We have some other fishermen who are here in the room. There's many of you who like to fish. Well, this was a job for these guys. Now, I'll tell you why they like catching fish, because for them it was income. For them, it was money. For most of uh, us who fish, or most of you who fish, it's just a pure enjoyment thing. But you know, after a long day of work, you're exhausted. You've been out in the sun, uh, you know, you've know, you experienced all these things, uh, especially if the work day hasn't gone well. Have you ever noticed that whenever the work day hasn't gone well, or maybe there's a not long, uh, a lot going on, you tend to end up more exhausted than you were if you had actually worked, just mentally you're drained. Jesus comes and asks Peter to use his boat. Now, Peter could not have been, Simon, could not have been in the best of, of attitudes at that moment. I mean, you know, we're talking money on the line here. We're not sure what Jesus taught at this point in this particular story. But he asked, hey, push your boat out so I can talk to these people. And here you have Simon Peter who's sitting in his boat. This is my, this is my interpretation, okay? Sitting in his boat. When is this guy going to be done? I gotta finish cleaning my nets. I got people over there on the shore, they'll help. But he's having to wait. Again, my interpretation here. Luke uh, chapter 4 of verse of, uh, I'm sorry, verse 4 of chapter 5, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Now remember, Simon had been working all day with no success. And here comes a teacher along who says, Hey. Let's go out here and fish some more. Now, Jamie is very familiar. Jake is, they're very familiar with the equipment that they own their fishing rods, their boats, or whatever it is that they have, their lures. Let's say Jamie invites me to go fishing one day. Jake says, Hey, you want to go out on the boat one day? We're going to go fishing. And I see him rigging up his line. Is that the right term? Rigging up your line? Yeah putting on different lures or bait or whatever it is. And I'm like, hey, maybe you should use that one here. I mean, you, you guys know Jamie. You can just see him do one of these things like, who are you to tell me how to use my stuff? I've been doing this way longer than you have. Do you even own a fishing rod type of thing? Am I wrong, Jamie? <laughs> but that's essentially what was happening here. Fishermen, most fishermen know what works and what doesn't work. Interestingly enough, sidebar here, but it's still hard to get them off the water even when they're not biting. So, true, right? So, anyway, they know. Peter's thinking the fish aren't there. If they're not there, they're not there. They're just, they're not there. It was, it just, it wasn't logical to Simon Peter. But look at his response in verse five. He says, Master, I want you to catch that word there. Master, Simon replied. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again, is what he said. We've done this. Master. See, before this, most of the disciples had been calling Jesus teacher. They understood what he was teaching them, but something clicked in Peter's mind, where he began to call Jesus master. See, had he still been referring to him as teacher, he'd have been like, you know, good job, preacher, good job, rabbi, but you know what, they're not biting, we'll just try again tomorrow or this evening or something like that. It's, it's, there's no point in it. But he called him master. Peter recognized the authority of Jesus. The term master moved beyond the term teacher. In Peter's reluctance, he recognized Jesus' authority, and he acted upon Jesus' command, even though it didn't make sense. And here's a question that I have for us today, and even for me, as I was studying for this and hearing this at while we were at convention. Do I, do you call him master and respond to his call even when it doesn't make sense? Or are we reluctant still? And I believe that's the call that Jesus, you know, the last couple of weeks, the messages have been kind of heavy and weighty, haven't they? Just the, the challenges that have been brought to us. God is doing a new thing, and I believe here at Abundant Life. He is, I believe we're at a place where he is requiring even greater steps of faith. You know, oh Lord, look at the steps of faith I've taken to this point. And he's, he's continuing to draw it out of us because you know what? God knows your potential, And he knows that not one of us have reached that. We're working on it. Praise God for that. Keep going. But he's continuing to draw it out of all of us. It comes down to this. Do we recognize his authority? See, it's one thing whenever someone requires something of Nathan. Let's, um, you know... We'll use this example with with Nathan here for a moment. He works, and since Marie's here, she's his boss, and it's awesome. So one of the girls at the barn comes up to Nathan and says, Hey, you know what? I really don't feel like giving hay to the horses today. How about you do that for me? Nathan's thinking, You know what? That's your job, not mine today. You need to go do that. See that there—you see the relationship difference? But if Marie were to come up to Nathan and say, Hey, Nathan— Um, the horses need their alfalfa hay, they need their whatever type, I'm picking up all these terms and stuff that I had forgotten, but they need all of this. You know what? He recognizes the authority, so he's going to go do it. Nathan is also taking riding lessons at this point. If one of the students at the barn says, all right, Nathan, tomorrow what we're going to do is we're going to jump this particular thing. Nathan's going to be like, well, I I don't feel comfortable doing that. I haven't learned the proper technique. However, if his trainer, his, we'll say this, by the way, you can use this master. Make him start calling you. That would be awesome, right? If his (laughs) Here's the word I'm looking for is authority figure. If his authority figure says you can do this, I want you to try this. You know what his response is going to be a little bit different. I'm just calling us back to this when our master, when the one who has ultimate authority that we have given our trust to, when he calls, do we respond? Do I respond? That's what I'm wanting to get at today. Jesus asks us to risk. He doesn't care about Here's something that I find difficult, but but it's true. He doesn't really care about the pressure that you're under, all the things that are coming against you, the things that are coming to you, the, the, the busyness of this, the busyness of that. It doesn't really bother Him. I don't want to say He doesn't care about you. That's not what I'm saying. But He knows the pressures that you're under. He asks us to risk anyway. We're going to see here in just a few moments, there may be people in here today that you've taken a risk. There may be others sitting here today and God has asked you to take a big risk yet you're scared of what others will think including family at times. Risk it all for Jesus. Risk it all for Jesus. There are those who have risked and been hurt. Stasha and I were in a wonderful place of ministry several years ago. We felt the Lord calling us out of a place that we had been for eight years serving under amazing leaders, um, For six years, we were under a a terrific leader. For two years after that, you guys know Del Jenkins, my mentor, uh, we were under his leadership. Gary Klaus was the first guy that we were with. And man, we were just, we were in the, we we loved where we were. I never saw myself leaving the comforts of home, because it's my home church. Never saw myself leaving those comforts. But we started to get this uneasiness. Things just were... They just weren't, it just wasn't right. You know what God was beginning to do? He was beginning to change our hearts a little bit. He was asking us to begin to risk. We had been there for eight years. Financially, we were doing great. The only debt we had at this particular time was our house. We had insurance. We had two little boys at the time. Life was good. And God was calling us to a place that wasn't quite as secure. We weren't sure about a few things. So anyway, we decided, you know what? We're going to take this risk. We're going to go. We're in this two years. I'll get back to that story here in just a moment. We're at this place for two years, and we began to sense that again. And if you know anything about me, I am committed. I am faithful. I do not like to move around. It's just, okay, call me old, but I like to to have things. I like to know. I like for things to be certain you know, but here's God saying again, it's time to, uh, to move again, uh, and I'm going to tell you why in just a moment he was doing this. We sincerely felt the Lord was calling us to a self-supporting ministry financially, and again, if you know me, I like security, and here God is saying, I'm going to call you into this ministry. You're going to have to raise your own money. I want to do that, right? That's what he was doing. But at Jesus' word, we let down our nets because we trusted what he was saying. And let me tell you, during this time in the racing community, ministry was wonderful. Here's why. We learned a ton about the lost and regained a passion for lost people because we had been in the four walls of the church, all of our our ministry, for 10 years at this point now. We'd always been inside the church. And the Lord was remind, He was preparing us for our next phase of what he was wanting us to do. Now, he called us to the racing ministry because, you know, there was amazing things that were happening there for his glory. Um, but he was showing us what it is to trust, and he was showing us that, you know what, there are lost people in this world that you haven't been focusing on, and you need to be aware of that. So, risk. We were willing to do it we began to experience what we're about to read in verse 6 through 11. So follow with me as we read Luke 5, 6. At this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. Soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell down to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. Because here all of a sudden they had taken this risk. They recognized that this was only the work that the master could do because they were willing to take a risk. And he's like, you know what? I can't. At this point, I'm a sinful man that you would consider using me to do this. For he was awestruck, verse 9, by the number of fish that they had caught and as were the others with them. His partners, James, John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Here's our memory verse. I want you to read this with me. This is the last part of, of verse 10. Before we get to this, though, I want to encourage you. We're halfway through the year. Catch back up if you haven't been doing your memory verses. Again, the translation is not as important. If you prefer King James over New Living, which we're doing, or New King, or NIV, whatever, get in on this. Can I make a confession here? I am a couple weeks behind on memorizing some, and I'm having to go back, and I'm like, I can't remember the one that was in February. You know what? Let's be real. It's going to be difficult, but let's keep doing it. So if you haven't been doing memory verses, let's catch back up. But here's today's uh, memory verse. You ready? Let's read it together. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. We'll stop right there for a moment. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. The rest of that verse 11, And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. When we were in the racing community for the first year and a half, Man, it was a great season for us, just being refocused, uh, understanding the heart of God toward lost people, understanding they don't think the way we do, they don't have the same values that we do, but we had to love them anyway and care for them anyway because God loved them. The Lord used us in ways we never imagined. It was pretty awesome, i got to be honest. It was really amazing what he was doing. I began to realize that Jesus didn't need the guys in the boat for the great catch of fish, just like he didn't necessarily need me in all these different places. Now, he wanted to use me. He wanted to reveal his presence in me and to other people. But he wanted to use them just as he wants to use me and just as God wants to use you. He's saying you've got to risk again. My presence will be with you. You've got to be at a place where you risk again. He wanted them to risk, to see the results, and to be inspired. Their risk for Jesus enabled them to see the supernatural work of Jesus. Another question that I have for you, are you willing to risk comfort and security in order to follow Jesus? You will be propelled to a new place of ministry and relationships with Jesus. See, this first point we've been talking about is risk is a pattern of the lives of those who follow Jesus and give their lives for the cause of Christ. Now, the second point is where it's going to get really real, right? We love talking about the cool stuff. And Jesus, your master. I'm risking for you, and everything works out great, okay? Risking again is a pattern of life for those who've given their lives for the cause of Christ. Risking again. When we see risk work out, we're ready to take the risk again. You know what? If we were to go to the blue hole again in Jamaica this year, I would probably jump off that 30-foot cliff again. It worked out. If it didn't work out, I suppose I wouldn't be jumping off anything, much less walking, right? But it worked out. After leaving our first assignment that I was telling you about where everything was great, insurance, all this type of stuff, savings, it was great. We went to that uncertain walk across town where we weren't sure if we were going to have insurance. We weren't sure, honestly, if we were even going to have a paycheck. We just committed to the Lord because we were still young. (laughs) <laughs> we were willing to take a big risk. So we did it. We saw God provide. And that's when we decided to risk again two years later and go into the racing ministry that I was just telling you about. While it was a good move spiritually for us, we experienced confusion and uncertainty in the realm of God's provision throughout that time. Part of it, again, I was not a good fundraiser. But there were some things that had been told to us that would happen And can I be honest with you? There was an element in my mind that said, God, if I am willing to risk my wife and my kids to go into this territory, then you will provide for me. And it didn't happen. And you know what? I felt betrayed by God. Just being honest. I felt so betrayed. Now, there were some things that we could have adjusted that looking back, yes, absolutely. But all these promises that we had, all this, this stuff that had been told to us, it didn't happen. And we felt betrayed by God, just being honest. We still loved him, okay? We did. We still loved God. We still served him. You ever been there? Travel began to become very wearisome, going to Chicago, going to Iowa, Kansas, all these different places where these races were happening. Honestly, the impact in that ministry began to wane, too. Part of that, I'm sure, is the frustration and and the discouragement that we were feeling, but it just didn't seem we were as impactful as we had once been despite prayer, despite fasting, despite asking. We were at a place financially where there were at least two months we had to put our house payment on a credit card. Talk to a financial advisor and ask them if they think that's smart. You know what we felt? Betrayed by God. God, we took this great risk for you, and it didn't work out. You ever been there? God, we took this great risk for you, and why? We're still tithing, and it's not happening. We felt betrayed. Our risk meter was at an all-time low. God, how? God, why? We knew that this season was only temporary, even when we went into it. We knew it wouldn't last forever, but we knew it's where God had led us at this point. There was a temptation to either take a steady, great-paying job or to pursue another church ministry that, quite frankly, was also uncertain. It would be the smallest church that we had ministered in. Not as just, we've never been a senior pastor, but at this particular time, it would have been the smallest church that we would have ministered in. I'm, I'm telling this from our point of view walking into this, okay? We didn't know the great people that were here. And so, could they support us financially? Would they even like us? risk meter was at an all-time low, but we began to talk to Pastor Bob, who was here before us, Bob Bankhead, he and Sherry are awesome people. We began to talk to them, but Lord, we just finished coming out of a season of risk, and it didn't work out. I've got this great job over here. It wouldn't be in ministry, but man, our financial status would be secure, you know, schedule would be certain. Those were the real issues that were going through our heads. But we had to come to the place where Simon Peter was, where he could either call Jesus teacher because he loved what he was saying. I knew I was going to do this one day. Where he knew what Jesus was saying and he thought they were great teachings, but instead he chose to call him master and to obey him, even when it didn't seem like the right thing to do. And people all around possibly, you know, you think Simon's dad His brothers were like, dude, we got this family business here. What do you think you're doing? What do you mean you're going to go self-support your family through fundraising and go chase races everywhere? What are you thinking? See, it didn't work out, did it? You ever been there? I've been there. It wasn't fun. So here he is saying risk again. See, for us, it was a financial thing. For us, it was an effective in ministry thing. And here's what I had found, that Master Jesus had messed up my life in my head, okay? This is what I was thinking, being real, being honest. Master Jesus had messed up my life. We were now in serious debt, not sure about our call, but we still love Jesus, and we were willing to call him teacher. Teacher. And sit in Sunday morning services and Wednesday night services. I mean, it's just how it was brought up. You're going to be in church when the doors are open. We hadn't waned from that at all. We still love Jesus, but were we willing to risk again and call him master. In reality, we don't always have to be obedient to the teacher. Right, Murray? <laughs> are all your students 100% obedient to you? <laughs> no, she's shaking her head no. We don't have to always be obedient to the teacher. But we do to the master. We have to be obedient to him. Were we willing to be on that level with him again, where he was our master? Peter had dropped the net and Jesus filled them. But what happens when we drop the net against all odds, expecting Jesus to fulfill them, but it didn't happen? We're disappointed. I want us to turn to John chapter 21. The Lord is calling. I believe God is speaking to several of you here today. I told this to our prayer group that was gathered this morning right after worship practice. God is speaking to some people today. I know he's speaking to me. Am I willing to say, Master, where are you leading me? Master, where are you taking us? Jesus had now been crucified as we lead up to this point of the story. He had appeared to the disciples twice. So they saw the miraculous, right? They saw, first of all, they saw Jesus died on the cross. They knew He had been buried in a tomb. They knew that He had raised from the grave. At least this had happened. Um, his body wasn't there, right? So they knew all these things were going on. but Jesus appears to them, and so they've seen the miraculous two times. They had risked and were seemingly at risk again. This is where we pick up in John 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like before Jesus uh, had called them. Peter saw the miraculous of the nets being filled. He trusted Jesus, and he left those nets to follow Jesus. But then Jesus died, and Simon Peter felt that all this risk was for nothing. He was at that point. He was there. There's a quote here from. Um, let me get it real quick. I want to give credit where it's due. Brad Williams. He says this, people who once dropped their nets to follow Jesus will be tempted to pick them back up again. Let me say that again. People who once dropped their nets to follow Jesus will be tempted to pick, um, will be tempted to actually not pick them back up again. Yes, that's right. will be tempted to pick them back up again. Let me explain what I'm saying here. These were fishermen who had thrown their nets out. That's what they did every day. What he's saying here is you'll be tempted to go back to what you know, what is comfortable, and what is secure. We'll all be tempted to do that, especially when risk for the kingdom of God doesn't work out. God, it just didn't work out. I'm going to go back to what I know, and that's what Peter and his companions did. They went back fishing again. Jesus, the master, had called them to be fishers of men, hadn't he? But what did they do after it didn't work out, seemingly? They went back and began to fish for fish. Instead of for people. We desire to go back to what we know is safe, and Jesus isn't. I want you to hear this. Jesus isn't safe. He's not. You know, I, I think as I was preparing for this message, and I, I told this again to the prayer team this morning, let's let's go with most people in the church, Christians. We all struggle with various sins and things like that, but you know, hopefully through time we begin to struggle less with those things. And I don't think that's what hinders the church as much. I don't think sin hinders the church as much as not being willing to take a risk for where Jesus had called. You've probably heard this before, that the the biggest treasures that you will ever find is not at the bottom of the sea, not in a treasure chest, but the biggest treasures that you will ever find on the face of the earth is in our graveyards, where people have died and never opened the gifts that God has given them. Because we're scared to risk or scared to risk again people who once dropped their nets to follow jesus will be tempted to go back to pick them up again because that's what they're familiar with jesus isn't safe he isn't interested in your comfort he isn't interested in safe and my question to me and to you are we playing it safe even in our ministries for the lord and i've had to be real <sighs> In my leadership as pastor here at Abundant Life, have I been leading us to play it safe in our ministries toward the Lord? What if God calls us to do something big and we're just like, I haven't heard anything specific yet, by the way, necessarily. I mean, there's a couple things, but what if are we willing to go and follow Master Jesus? Just, just throwing that out there. Are we playing it safe because we remember the time we risked and it didn't seem to work out? Verse 4 of John chapter 21. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you will get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Again, it sounds familiar. Pre-cross to post-cross. But both times it was Master Jesus who was telling them what to do. You know, if I were to go fishing with Jamie and he or Jake and they were to catch nothing and I would say, hey, let's go over there to that little cove. And they just kept, I mean, they were bringing in two at a time. And they asked me to go back with them again and nothing was happening. I said, hey, how about let's go over there? Do you think they would maybe listen to me that time? Maybe still a little reluctant. Jamie's like, maybe a little bit. Can you guarantee fish? Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's funny when you start talking to fishermen, especially the ones who catch fish that big. Jesus was inviting them back again to risk it all. And they risk again, and the miraculous happened. Verse 7, Then the, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he, is, he, he would, had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore. They were only there for uh, about 100 yards from the shore. Jesus again addressed them after this great risk and this great catch. So here's Jesus, the master, talking to them again. Hey, throw it on the other side. Risk again. Be willing to throw your ministry net back out this time. Verse 18 of John 21, if you'll drop down a few verses. Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where, do you, not, where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Anybody ready to sign up for that? Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. If you want to gain your life, you must lose it. Were the things Jesus was, the things that Jesus was saying. Now, you guys know my theology on this. I do not believe for one moment that God puts harm on us, that He puts sickness upon us. Um, You know, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Destroy, kill, steal, and steal, kill and destroy. Jesus says, "I've come to give you life." I think it was during our experience we learned to trust our Master. Looking back, yes, there's things we could have done differently, but you know what? The betrayal sense that we had was still there. And I think what we learned through this whole experience that I want to be reminded of and that I want to get back into is even if things aren't going how I think they should go, even if it means laying down my life and my comforts that I so much enjoy, am I willing to follow Master Jesus? Or am I just as excited to, like, you know, just read His Word and think, that's such a great teaching for somebody else. I think it's wonderful. God's Word is true, but not this part for me. Kind of the whole thing when missionaries years ago used to come to our churches. Lord, it's wonderful what they're doing, just don't call me there. (laughs) I may or may not have ever said that. They had been discouraged and floundered about all this until he came back to them and it was a season of familiar and faithlessness that they were in. Let me say that again. When they were out fishing on the boat, it was a season of familiar and faithlessness. And we were so tempted to go back into a season of familiar and really didn't require a lot of faith. Not saying we didn't have faith in God. Please hear me on that. We love Jesus, but it didn't what we could have done would not have required a lot of faith to say, God, you're going to take care of us. Our greatest, re- our greatest risk with the greatest rewards often come after great seasons of heartache and frustration. So I want to encourage you in this. If you've experienced great heartache and great frustration, now is the time to jump back in with both feet. Because you know what? That's what happened to the disciples. Jesus said, you're going to die. Did you catch that? When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said, follow me. See, I like the stuff where you come to Jesus and everything will be safe and everything will be okay and your life will make sense from this point on. But that's not what Jesus taught oftentimes. It was... You know what, you're going to experience this and this, but are you willing to take the risk because, you know what, I will be glorified. That's the real gospel of what's happening here. And, and I've said this before too, I'm thankful for the blessings of God. I truly am. We enjoy those. But I'm willing, am I willing to risk it all? Nets being filled because of risk is often on the other side of seasons of heartache and frustration. Stash and I were a little afraid to risk again after the season of unmet expectations and disappointment, but we chose to risk and we have experienced our spiritual nets being filled for six and a half years now. We weren't sure what we were coming into. You weren't sure what you were getting, for those of you who were here at that time, right? You didn't know what you were getting. And some of you are thinking, Lord, why did it happen? <laughs> Maybe. I won't say, we still don't know what you got, right? I'll accept that, but you know, and and let me be serious about this too, you know the reason for that? God's still working, working and there's some risk that we have not, there's some risk that we have not taken yet, that God has called us to, but you know what these six and a half years have been? Preparation. You know what God has been doing in these six and a half years? Excuse the notes for a moment, excuse the time for a moment. I want to speak to the people who were here when we came, okay, just for a moment. Man, God was stirring some things, wasn't he? We knew that God had put us in a new season. He had put the folks that were here in a new season. He had put me and Stasha in a new season, and we began to read scriptures of things that said, you will become a source and a symbol of blessing out of Zechariah 8, I think, something like that. That was a word that he gave us early on, and we began to see these particular things. You know what he began to do after that? He said, there's a mission, there's a risk that you're going to have to take. You know what he began to do from that point? He began to send us Luke and Emma. He began to send us Mike and Christine, Dean, Rachel, Kendall, Ink and Beth, the Palmeteers, Mark. So you guys were here. Sandy was here. Ran, uh, I was about to say Randy. Rusty. Rusty, good Lord. I'm getting old. <laughs> Marie, Danny, our wonderful visitors today, thank you for being here. Tommy, Brandon, and we haven't even gotten a second service yet. God is calling us to take a risk. And it's scary. Can I promise you that? I don't know where we're going exactly. I still want to get one of those hats that has two bills on it and says, I'm their leader, which way are they going? (laughs) But here's what I know. With faithful people who are praying and who are surrounded and we link arms and we, you know, there's been some tensions lately. And they've got to stop. They've got to stop. And recognize it for what it is. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But it's the enemy. And he is under our feet. We've got to resolve these things. Because God has called us to do a great work for him. And as I am pastor here at this church surrounded by amazing people, we're going to go forward together united. And I'm going, I know I'm going over. It's okay. We got 25 minutes till the next church service starts. Come on, preacher. Come on. Pastor Dale gave a, a word to us three or four years ago that he said the winds are changing. The spirit is moving, and I believe it's happening again. And he said, David, in this vision, remember this for those of you who are here? I saw the shadow of a tree, just like I can see my hands. And he said, but I didn't see a single leaf being lost. My spirit is coming, change is happening, but you're not going to lose anybody through this. There's change happening, and it creates some stuff. But you know what? God is calling us to move forward together. Are we willing to risk it all and go do it? May we never stop trusting our master Jesus. You know what? Here's the reality. Our church can continue to grow even though we're not risking and trusting. It can. Our church can grow without risking and trusting. But I don't want to fall into that trap. I want to continue to say, yes, in uncertain and unsafe times for the risk of Jesus, for the cause of Jesus Final question. Well, no, it's not. Almost. If your church was the only church, what would you do next? You know what? The early church had to answer that question because guess what? They were the only church. We may be the only Jesus that people see. What are they going to look at? What are they going to see? Are you willing to take a risk for Jesus? Are you willing to take risk with me? Are you willing to risk even if you've been disappointed by Jesus or were burned in the past? Let Jesus heal you and let's follow the master. Let the calluses be removed from your heart and my heart because I want to tell you, I have some. From six and a half to ten years ago, I still have some that were exposed preparing for this mission, this mission, this message. Let's risk again. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your restorer, and he is your path to wholeness. Let Jesus be the source of our faith and be willing to take a risk. Can we stand up together? And I'm going to ask you to do something extremely cheesy here for a moment. You may think it's extremely cheesy, but you know what? I think it's going to do something in the spirit here. I want us to join across the aisle. Let's just join hands for a moment. Just as a, I don't know. I just felt we needed to do it. Jesus, may we be people who are willing to risk again. Your spirit is moving among us and we're we're sensing it. (laughs) Anytime there's change, we sense it. We can feel the tension. We can feel the blessing. We can feel the encouragement. We can feel the discouragement of it all. But Lord, you are moving. And God, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be the leader that causes abundant life to miss it, Lord. God, may we follow after you and move forward in a spirit of unity, and a spirit of trust, willing to risk it all. God, I stand up here confidently. I've, man, it seems like I do this so many times. I can confidently say I'm not exactly sure where God is taking us. But here's what I know I'm willing to go, and God, we're willing to go. Would you reveal that to us today, God? Would you reveal that to us in the coming days? You know, church, we've had this whole thing of of what's next for us. What's next for Abundant Life? Are, Are we tearing down these buildings and building new here? Are we buying land and building there? Are we moving location? You know, all these things, because just amazing. Thank you, Lord, for the growth, all this Stuff that we're able to enjoy I'm thankful for it but God would you reveal your will God soften our hearts God calls us to be a place of unity to where there's nothing hindering moving forward God in my heart will you remove those calluses in my heart will you remove the doubt God I thank you for the brothers and sisters that are in this room at this moment every single one of them God, I pray your blessings upon them. God, I pray a spirit of faith to rise up within them. And God, that if it's here at Abundant Life or if it's outside of these walls, to there's many ministries outside the walls of, of this church. If you've called them to that in their workplaces, in their homes, God, I pray for, for men who are leading their homes, that they would be willing to take a risk for the kingdom of God. People who are leading their businesses, their companies, their employees, their as their supervisors, Lord, or even just being a leader because they're a follower of Jesus. God, that you would give them boldness and an ability to risk again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give somebody a hug. I'm going to ask Larry if he'll come on up and Miss Gail, if she'll pray for us as we, they they will pray for us as we are getting ready to dismiss. You can stay standing. Um, Stasha and I love you. Again, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, Larry and Gail are going to be available to you to pray for you. If you need healing, if you, you know what? (laughs) I haven't been willing to risk, and I need you guys to agree with me. Come down, let them pray for you. Amen. Um, I'll see you at the back. I think Stasha may be making her way up um, to love you and hug on you as well. Please hear my heart. We love you so much. I am so proud of the risk that I have seen. I want you to understand, this is not a message of me up here doing this. I cannot tell you how many times these past two weeks getting ready for this, it has been, God, I am so sorry. You hear my heart in all of this? Let's do this together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Larry Gale.